in Mark chapter 1, we have John the Baptist and Jesus himself about revival. Listen to this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before me. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the Lord way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. In that same chapter, verses 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This was a time of hopelessness, sin, and shame. But John the Baptist brought a message of hope. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Something great is about to happen. And then revival comes in the person of Jesus. And you'll notice what Jesus said. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The term repentance means to turn away from to. It is a doctrine for the lost and the saved. Before we were saved, we had to repent of our sin and turn to Christ. To repent means to turn away from and turn to Christ. If we're involved in sin and we just get sorry and we decide we'll stop and reform ourselves, that's reformation. It isn't really repentance. Repentance involves turning around. Turning away from, turning to. Turning away from ourselves, turning to Christ. Turning away from our little toys, turning to his extravaganza. Turning away from self to the Savior. Asking God to be first in our lives. A series of evangelistic meetings is not necessarily a revival. And we're praying that God will send refreshment. Revival is for the saved. You cannot revive a lost person. He has to be changed and saved. He has to get, get new life. Revival means that you have had life and you need to have it restored. You need to have it stirred up. Paul put it this way, stir up the gift of God that is within thee. It is stirred up by the preaching of the Word. It is stirred up by repentance, a realization of our sins. It is stirred up by a realization of the holiness of God and how holy and wonderful God is and how much He hates sin. And when we come to realize that and we ask God for real revival, He wants to give it. He's always ready. We don't really have to beg Him. We just have to get our hearts ready. In getting our hearts ready, we have to promise Him some things. We can't say, now, Lord, I'm physically able, and I ask you for revival, but I want to tell you, I'm not coming to the meeting. I've got other things to do. I've got to stay home. I've got to do this or watch television or take care of something. I've got something else to do. 
Revival means I'm going to put certain things aside and I'm going to come. Now, people will not come. They must be brought. I got a letter from Brother Ronnie Hicks today, yesterday. He enclosed a letter from Joe Bill Camel. Most of you remember Joe Bill Camel. He gave a testimony here at church a few months ago. And Joe Bill wrote Ronnie a letter. And he said, I want to thank you for having the courage to stand up at Bowling Green High Gym and tell the students, your own peers, that something had happened to you. That God came into your life, that you had a purpose. And he said, what you said made such an impression on me. I want came to the revival meeting and he got saved. And you remember a few months ago he stayed in this pulpit and gave that testimony. Now, that's what brings us on. When you and I get off of our hobby horse, our pride, and we decide the one thing that's more important than anything else is to tell people what's happened to me. Something has happened to me. And I love the Lord. And I want to invite you to come and be part of what has happened to me. Now, some people have spoken about what revival is or is not. William Sprague said, whenever you see religion rising up in a state of comparative depression, to a tone of increased vigor and strength, wherever you see professing Christians becoming more faithful to their obligations, and behold the strength of the church increased by fresh expressions of piety from the world, this is revival. Charles Finney said, revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Just as in the case of a converted sinner, the first step is a deep repentance, a breaking down with dust before God, with deep humility and a forsaking of sin. D.J. Morgan said, Revival is reviving humanity, strictly speaking, to the sense of God through the indwelling Holy Spirit, to reanimate the indwelling of the Spirit of God in our lives. Arthur Wallace said, in the day of his power, revival is a divine intervention in the normal course of things. It is such a manifest working of human personalities overshadowed by the Lord. To Edwin Orr, in his second evangelical awakening, he said the best definition of revival is the phrase of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. The word revival appears 16 times in the Old Testament and twice in the New Testament. Why? Because God, the Holy Spirit, expects his church to stay in revival by the time. I hesitate to start tell some of these illustrations. I had a wonderful pastor. I told you about him many times. He was pastor that church 22 years. He never had a revival. And people wondered at that. That church led Kentucky Baptists and soul winning and baptism every year. His idea was perennial evangelism. 
Every week, he would write the names of some people down on a card, several cards, and give them to his men. And ask his men to go witness and bring that person to church the next Sunday. Most of the time they did it. Only two or three Sundays in all those years, there's been nobody that responded to the invitation. Most special church gets a continual serving ministry. And I believe that's God's plan for us. But most of us don't do it like that. Most of us need some fresh anointing, some fresh voice. And when we have Bill Ricketts here, we will have a fresh voice. Bill Ricketts is one of God's great preachers. And I want to tell you, you're going to be blessed. But he cannot do anything for us unless we can. Unless we're here to hear the meetings, to hear the messages. Now, the method of revival uh, has to deal with our excitement about something going to happen. We have to sense it in our own hearts. In that day in which Jesus lived, sin was rampant. We live in that kind of a day to day. The standard of crossroads, God is greatly stirred. Some people are greatly stirred also about the medium. Sin is on the mark. Someone has written, and these sins are real in the lives of Christians when you divide them. Number one, criticism. Number two, nothing to pay for law for law. It is going to happen, it's going to happen. Again, too much celebrity. The Holy Spirit is sincere and serious. Again, pride. Bond of dress and high life and fashion, all those things. Again, worldly mindedness, the love of riches and property. Try to get by with paying too little to God, not trusting the Lord. Again, a hypocritical lifestyle. We say one thing and do another. Firm but no power. We fail to confess our sins. We neglect the duty of prayer and personal and personal confrontation with people. What a tragedy we have the answer to people's needs. A real answer to do a little bit. One of the reasons I oppose abortion is because all these years that we've had abortion legal, we've killed thousands and thousands of little babies. At the same time, we've prayed, Lord, send us some kind of an answer to the cancer problem and the other kinds of problems that we face. Who knows that what God was going to send somebody and he murdered that person in the mother's room. You see, God wants to do something. First of all, he wants to do something with us. What does God want to do with you and me? 
In the Sunday school lesson this coming Sunday, you read about the heavenly vision that Paul had. And he said to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What was that heavenly vision? God said, Paul, I've called you to be a light to those who are in darkness. To open the eyes of the blind spiritually and to give them the light of Christ. Paul never got over that. He went from place to place to place. You well remember, he went to Philippi. He won three people to the Lord that formed the first church there, and then he was thrown out of town. He went down to Thessalonica. He stayed three weeks, thrown out of town. He went to Berea, stayed there a little while, thrown out of town. He went down to Athens. He won three people to Athens, to the Lord in Athens, that was it. He went over to Corinth, maybe a discouraged man. He had had enough to discourage him, but he didn't care. He just had a sign of death. He went about Jeremiah. He preached 40 years. No convert. He said, Lord, I'm going to quit. Ever since I've been preaching, it's just been like, you've, been, you've deceived me. But nobody listens. Nobody gets converted. And then, in just that same verse, he said, but Lord, I can't quit. My word is like a fire in my bones. How many of us have the fire of God in our bones? How many of us have a heavenly vision that we must be accomplished? What is the vision God has given you for your life? Are you just trying to pay your house off? Are you just trying to pay the bills so you can get through present successes? Or do you have a long-range vision? God has something wonderful for you to do. Our church has been blessed by seeing young man and young woman after young man and young woman walk down these aisles and say, God has put his hand on me. I have a vision of what God wants me to do. They're not here. They're out there somewhere accomplishing that vision. By the same token, you have had a vision to hold the rope in finances, in prayer, in concern. You have done that with our bus ministry mission. All these years we've had bus ministry. Many of you have served in the bus ministry. But those who have not have prayed, have given, and have said we are praying for those who are missionaries among the bus people. We have had mission work at what used to be Glendale Chapel. Now victory back to church. You poured your lives into that. And God blessed. Hundreds have been saved. We had a mission ministry at the crossroads on Main Street. A lot of lives were changed by that ministry. We have a mission ministry in our school. The United Christian School. This ministry, mission, is a mission ministry to the entire city of Bowling God has used you to hold the rope in prayer, sometimes in finances, much more than finances in the years ahead. This is our mission ministry. 
We have a mission ministry to Mexico. Last year, over 500 professions of faith. The year before that, 400. Other years, 200, 300, others. And through the years, I believe somebody figured out in the 30 years that we've been down there, there have been over 3,000 professions of faith. Through your work. This is all mission ministry. It does not pay for itself. It is part of the vision that God has given us. Now what has God given you as a mission vision ministry? This revival meeting we're coming to can help us. But again, let me remind us, and you know this very well, Brother Bill is all of his greatness, and he's a powerful preacher. And I'm hoping Zola will be able to sing. She's had a voice in Texas. But with her, and with all the Brother Lloyd's beautiful music, this will not bring you down. You and I have to crave it. We have to want it. We have to say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with my life. We need something more. And when we ask God for it, we'll get it. Let's bow together and pray. Our Father, we thank you that revival is a time of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. A time of starting over again. A time of falling in love with Jesus all over again. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, break our hearts over the things that break the heart of God. And give us a heavenly vision what God would have each of, each of us as an individual do, and what He would have our church do as we go into these years that form the 21st century. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's stand.